Welcome to Fringe Legal, where we explore innovation in action. I'm your host, Abhijat Sarasmuth, and in each episode, we dive into conversations with changemakers who share ideas, insights, and lessons from their journey. Join us as we put theory into practice and shed light on the world of innovation like never before. I am delighted today to have the founders of Definely, a award-winning Microsoft-backed legal tech company um, that redefining the way that documents are drafted, reviewed, and understood. Um, they're used by more firms at in-house teams uh, across Denton, Deloitte, Calgary, uh, and others. And they really simplify the process of reviewing documents, maximizing efficiency, and improving the accuracy of contract for their users. So, Fergus, Nandi, welcome. Glad to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Avan. Really pleased to be on the show. I've definitely been following the Fringe Legal podcast over the last few sort of years, so really excited to be able to actually come onto it as a guest. So thank you very much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and I love talking to founders and talking to people who've been in the weeds when it comes to building legal tech. Before we started reporting, I, I shared with Namdi a story of how we indirectly were working with the uh, same, same firm and the same client now for you guys. So it's really cool to find the, those intersecting points. And speaking of that, you both have known each other since well before founding Definely. So maybe we start there. I already told everyone at a high level what Definely is. We can expand on that in a little bit. But let's go back in time uh, to how do you both know each other and how did Definely come to be? What's the founding story behind it? Yeah, Fergus, why don't you uh, say that, uh, given that you are definitely tell a much better story about this than uh, I probably do. I don't know about that. Matthew. We both have good stories. I give you a bit of background on me. It's a lot of things in context, I think, when, when people hear a bit about the full story. So I'm actually registered blind. So everything I do is with auditory feedback. So I use voiceover and screen readers and everything. Typically for me, accessing information has always been some kind of barrier or another. In terms of my background, I originally started out doing a, a BA and a master's in history. Uh, from that, I did a graduate diploma in computer science, and I worked actually at Microsoft and Compaq for a few years. And um, during that time, my site started to degenerate more. The technology itself didn't really exist at the time to actually support a career and the trajectory that I wanted to go in when I was doing that. So I had to reevaluate what it was I was doing, what I wanted to do, because just the access wasn't there. The, the technology didn't even really exist. That was like the late 1990s, early 2000s. I got married to a girl from California, came back to London and decided, okay, let's do a law degree. And when I was doing my law degree at King's College in London, information access, again, a huge barrier. My wife, she worked basically two jobs. She read all my law books. She recorded my little notes, everything. Maybe she should be the one who got the degree, not me. But I did very well. I graduated in, let's say, the top 10% of my year. <clears throat> and from the back of that, I was able to get a training contract at a firm in London called Alan Novry, which would be in the States, your equivalent to like the white shoe firms. We call them magic circle firms over here. Started working there. Did my trading contract, qualified as a solicitor, an attorney, and moved across to Freshfields. And Freshfields actually then is where 
the wonderful Nandi comes into the story because whether you call it serendipity or whatever you want to call it, he was starting his career as a trainee at Freshfields and the very first deal that he was put on happened to also be the very first deal that I did uh, as an associate when I was working there. It was the baptism of fire, I think, really for both of us, but it was also an incredibly bonding experience. And I think, you know, both of us come from what might not be the usual run-of-the-mill kind of backgrounds for that environment. Um, and I think that was also incredibly bonding for the two of us. But more so for me, I think Namde actually really was one of the first people who ever showed a genuine interest in how I access information, and how I do the job that I do working in a highly time-sensitive, pressurized environment going through these kind of transactional documents. And I started showing him some of the different hacks that I had done, like some of the regedit stuff and some of the word hacks that I'd built up over the years with my background in technology. And I think that then was like where Namdi then started pushing me further and further. He was like, come on, Fergus, it's the 21st century here. There's got to be a better way to do this rather than some really snazzy way of doing control F or splitting the screen or scrolling through documents. Would what would your ideal solution look like, essentially, was the proposal he put to me. And I was like, Namdi, I know this sounds really simple, but if I could just double click on one of the terms within the document and have the meaning of the term displayed on the side panel, like that would save so much time just for me. And I think what started out as a solution, maybe for somebody who's visually impaired, I think it, Namdi went, actually, that solution would really work for everybody. Like, I'm fully sighted. And I think I would find that, like, incredibly helpful. And I think underneath that, then, is the genesis. That's the conception of what is behind our product. I think what it boils down to is two people who are looking at a problem together from a very unique set of circumstances in 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 pretty unique environment and I think it really underpins the mission behind everything we do. Everything we do is about how can we access information in a way that's easy and effective without disrupting the workflow information that's there and just a pragmatic sensible kind of approach to things and it's all driven by my obsession and my need to access information. So a lot of times we when you solve a problem for somebody with a disability, you oftentimes make things a lot easier for people generally, has been my experience. So that's a little bit about me and, and a bit about the genesis. I think Namdi yeah. probably be up from there, right? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, if I, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious, Namdi, I think both the, uh, I guess, the other side of the story, so to speak, um, your perspective of it, but um, I, I know it'd be interesting to hear that accessibility, the ability to make the access to the information and results a lot easier. Uh, I'm curious also if you can, as you're telling the story, sort of juxtapose that in what exists today or certainly back when Define was founded. And actually would be curious to know what are we talking about? I think it was a 2018, 2019, maybe I think from memory, right? So what, yeah, exists, so what, what existed then? Yeah, when I sort of first joined Freshfields, which is where Fergus and I met, I was just really quite surprised at the way when Fergus and I were having those first initial conversations and 
going to do the research as to what technology was out there. It was really just surprising that actually it was still very manual methodologies that people use just access information in these documents. I think the point is exacerbated when you're working in a corporate law environment where you're working with quite lengthy, complex documents. And so it's not easy to just access the information you need to when reviewing provisions. So oftentimes people would just really do it quite quite manually, uh, which is obviously very inefficient. So they would use typically a combination of control F or scrolling up and down the document. Sometimes uh, I used to use a split screen and you'd have sort of your documents open in multiple monitors or uh, a lot of the sort of partners and more senior uh, lawyers would typically just print things out, which obviously is not great for the uh, environment. So really when Fergus and I started talking about the problem he had and I, you know, started doing that initial research, it was very obvious that A, uh, there wasn't actually anything that addressed that that problem uh, in a meaningful way. And, and B, uh, that problem was something that had a much wider applicability than just people with, uh, you know, visual impairments like Fergus. So yeah, it was just really interesting at the time. And I remember leaving Freshfields and just thinking, hey, if this is a problem that I could see beneficial to my to myself and I wasn't, I don't have any sort of visual impairment, then of course this would be something that could be used by any lawyer working on contracts. So that was really the sort of the drive behind trying to bring this into every lawyer's hands, essentially. Yeah. And so to found, to find it, did you both leave practice and you both left um, being associates at a yeah. magic circle firm, something that Many, I'm sure, if there are any students listening to this, would be thinking, well, that's insane. Yeah. Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've always been quite um, passionate about business. Even before I started my legal career, I always thought in my head I would go and start a business at some point, but I didn't actually know what that would be. So, of course, it was really just good luck that I met Fergus. And I remember thinking at the time we had... Fergus and I had conversations about the idea many times, but other than just getting a very rough prototype, which was not great at all built, uh, there was really nothing else. But the prototype for me was enough to just let my passion take over because as soon as I saw the prototype and it was really slow, it was really buggy, it didn't do the job very well, but it proved that the theory, the principle was doable. And with that, I was just like, I'm ready to leave. So I really, we, I left really without a plan. It wasn't like I had a product ready was still very much in wireframe form. We didn't have obviously any, any customers or any sort of a team really to work with. So it was really just a baptism of fire. As soon as I saw that the idea that we had been talking about for many years at the, at the, top, at the point was viable, I just thought, hey, go for it. I would much rather do something that was that I was passionate about than spend time doing something. And law was a fantastic career and I met really incredible people. Yeah. But for me, I think that was just more, a, a greater passion to try and build something with my own hands. Yeah, I think for, from my perspective as well, um, I think it's when I saw that kind of first prototype, it, it just made sense. And for me, it made sense in a couple of different ways. Obviously, I, I'm 50 now, so at the time I was maybe early, early 40s when this had happened. And obviously, mm. you know, out of energy required to start a career at a firm, let's say Freshfields or A&O, is obviously hence You're working very long hours and there are great rewards to it. But also for me, the exciting part for me was, has always been in, in problem solving and seeing something like this and, and building a solution that you genuinely felt like hand on heart solving a problem for people. 
was really what got me. Like the idea that you could build a tool that's going to make people's lives easier. Like that, that for me is, was like the driving force behind the push. Wow. Got a possibility. And, and also it's not just like people who are visually impaired, like people with dyslexia. There's so many people that something like this can help if the technology is built correctly. Um, and it just happened that solving one man's problem is a solution for a heck of a lot of people, I think. And I think that's excited me the most about it, getting into it. But yeah, maybe just some of it does sound a bit crazy. <laughs> Generally, like but, lawyers, the most risk adverse people in the world. <laughs> so it's, whoa, hold on. They actually just left and, and, and started this company and took a chance. Yeah. But I think really, I remember when I was a young guy, somebody said to me before, good product sells itself. And I think we just both knew we had something here. I think I, I'm, thank you for sharing your age, number one, actually, because it's important to, because you look around and some of the biggest, most successful companies when they were founded by relatively young individuals, right? People who dropped out of university or college or whatever, and especially now in, in the world of AI, a lot of CEOs are some of the most valuable companies are pretty young and certainly under 30, but that's one path and it's a bit of survivorship bias in there as well. So I think it's important to know that A, you can have a diverse team, you can have founders that are a bit more mature. And certainly this isn't the first thing that they're doing and the biggest risk they're taking out of university or something else. It can be something that you can visit after having uh, a career. And I think there is benefits to, I joined the startup after having a career, second startup now, but after having a, a career in much more established companies and otherwise, and all of the experiences that you have, they do play a part, right? You end up knowing how businesses work, having worked in Freshfield and other places and having that training you have a bit better understanding, hopefully, or these are things, these are how sort of commercial documents work, these are negotiations, and how do we work with lawyers, how do we work with our ideal client, having actually probably done the work yourself and feeling the pain is so important, Fergus, everything that you're saying is, I don't think I know any founder of a halfway successful company who's not obsessed with solving the one problem they experience themselves, so they've identified and that's, that becomes a sort of a North Star for them. So I think it's absolutely crucial. Yeah. And when I look at this road, let's say that, that Namji and I are on now, I, I actually see this as almost like the pinnacle of my experience. This is where all the cumulative experiences come out and express themselves through this, these solutions, because I think without having those experiences, and as you correctly said, actually experiencing all those pain points, it's very hard to know what problem you're actually trying to solve. Yeah. Like sometimes I think you do see some of these guys, they are young and they have really brilliant creative ideas that they're bringing into the game. And I think with that though, sometimes I think you need a combination of both. I think you need that youthful, creative, energy and excitement and almost like kind of imagination that comes at that kind of early stage combined with maybe, I don't want to sound cocky about it, but the kind of wisdom of experience, like people who've also been through these roads and paths in the manual hard way can see issues that other people might not see. Yeah. 
absolutely agree with you. Yeah. You talked about how the first version, or I guess not even version, the prototype that you had envisioned wasn't very good. That's a few blunt. But I think, is it Reid Hoffman that he says, if you're not embarrassed by the first version that you've shipped, you've launched too late, are you? I think that's probably about right. But just to bring everyone back, what you were talking about, because to finally now has, and you guys tell me the right terminology, but you have three different products or solutions. Um, Correct. And I am guessing, but correct me again, that they are individual things that I can go and get to finally draft or proof or pdf separately all together i'm sure but like they they are individual applications but the what was v1 was that the proof yeah exactly so the finally started off really as a really essentially a point solution solving that very specific problem which was the problem that fergus faced in terms of trying to just access information Mm -hmm. in a really simple and efficient way so that first product which is actually the finally draft is we call this 360 degree one click solution to contract drafting and reading. So you can actually just stay in one place and from where you are, you can interrogate the entirety of the contract as well as manipulate any part of it without ever having to leave where you are. That was the first product we launched. We actually launched it uh, commercially in September, 2020, but we got our first customer a, a few months before. And the reason that was because as you said, I actually did my first pilot before this product was even ready because it was very important to me that we proved that there was actually something viable there and that's something that people were willing to pay for. So I remember just being very excited because we had this product that was buggy and we, I just said, hey, let's just put up to pilot and let's see if people are actually going to use it. And I remember just getting the feedback from the customers we had at the time who were still customers, but at the time they were just pilots. And the feedback was always, oh, it does this, it's really slow, it does it. It's got this problem. It's got this problem. I was, I was always very nervous that, oh man, okay, they, they, they hate it. It, was, it would always be like, no, but we still really like it, but you guys can fix this. And I think that was a very good sign at the, at the outset before investing lots of money into more product development that actually you are building something that people genuinely would use once it was ready. And that's essentially what happened. And luckily we, we got them over the line and, and, and they're now customers. So yes, that, that was our first product. And then more recently we've complemented them that product with a few other products. The way we see it is we operate in what we call the pre-execution contract lifecycle. It's when you first want to create your contract and you want to access all the past and precedent wordings and provisions and clauses, uh, our sort of new product, which we haven't yet launched, but will be launched in a few weeks, uh, allows you to do that and access all the sort of knowledge from your uh, organization's repository. Uh, once you've done that and you want to interrogate the contract, negotiate it, draft it, uh, review it. That's how, that's when you then utilize the finally draft. And then after you finish doing that, you want to clean up the contract, sanitize it, you utilize our proofreading products, which essentially does what it says in the tin. And then finally, once you've executed the contract and you turn it into a PDF form, you can actually review it using our PDF product. So that's essentially how the products merge together. I think also that just on the back of that app, I think it, it's important to clarify too. It's, it, it is a word slogan that, that you're yeah. getting. You're not, it's not like you're asking attorneys to to learn how to use a new application or whatever. Yeah, we're trying to build this into the actual kind of workflow that people are doing anyway. They're in Word, they're looking at their contract. They have this definely panel on the right side of it that has those kind of functionalities and those features or modules, whatever you want to call them, built into that kind of panel. 
when they're working away. Their eyes can never are never off the word document or the commercial agreement or whatever it is they're working in. They're just they're not having to change and chop between applications. And you just keep them nicely embedded in that workflow. Yeah, and I think for that makes sense because Word and generally Office applications are almost a second home for most lawyers and most legal professions actually probably extend extend that too. So be having a place there and ideally having a place that blends into how they work and a natural ex extension of the workflow that presumably and hopefully doesn't sort of interfere with what they're looking to do now and just augments that with something something more and easier and provides something a little greater value that makes a lot of sense also probably yeah. i imagine makes it easier for firms because then you're not trying to do something trying to convince people to not use word yeah, yeah. exactly I'm conscious of time, but I'm curious about making tons of assumptions here. But um, based on my understanding, a lot of what Defiantly does is based on AI, but uh, natural language processing, potentially machine learning, I don't know. But as we're in the right, probably at the outset of the wave of generative AI, and large language models, and the world of ChatGPT, and people just ask me a lot of questions, I suspect this is a conversation that you are faced with every single customer or prospect that you speak to. How are you thinking about uh, leveraging large language models? So let me ask you that question. Yeah. So you can ask at scale, but yeah, what are your, not really views on that, but as you think about large language models, as you think about generative AI, what are you thinking in potential? How are you thinking about it? Because it's, and there's all of the balancing aspects that you have to think about, especially from the generative perspective of hallucinations and quality controls and things like that. But yeah, curious about your views on this. Yeah, sure. Let me just take a tiny little step back before jumping straight into that. Yeah. Like part two of my act, I would say. <laughs> After finding, defining, getting that going with Nambi, I stepped back for personal reasons. And I also did then a master's in cyber psychology. And part of that master's, we did a lot of work on AI ethics, privacy, security, uh, natural language processing, some machine learning Python kind of stuff. And while I was doing the masters, actually, that's when OpenAI dropped their little bombshell on the world, now known as ChatGPT. And for someone like me coming from the background with the challenges that I've had in my life and just the combination of law and Technology. As soon as it came out, I was like basically on the phone to Nandi going, dude, this is like going back 10 years. The amount of different things we could solve using this technology. It's awesome. And I think so for us, yes, you're correct in your subject. We've always had AI-based rules and machine learning built into products, but really what this opens up, it's like the possibility of recharging in a lot of ways the offerings that we already have. So if you look, let's say, at what we offer in terms of that kind of drafting proofs and as Nandu pointed out, the vault features that we have within the thing, like you then take something like what Gen AI can do and you start applying that to those kind of aspects of information retrieval and et cetera, you find yourself in a very exciting place because, and again, yeah, I think this is where the wisdom maybe 
an experience comes out. I don't, I'm not a big believer in that the first in the race always wins. I think you have to take time to look at these kind of technologies and assess what are the risks involved with it. And I think Namdi and I are, are both extremely well positioned to, to know the kind of risks because A, between us, we have maybe 12 years experience working in, in major law firms. And I think we know the way they think and how protective they are. And not just how protective they are of their data, but actually why they're protective. At the end of the day, it's client information with client documents. I think the first thing is, I think, before you go jumping head first with a technology like this, is you really have to consider what are the mitigation strategies? Like, how am I going to build something that's actually going to satisfy our clients in terms of their strategies with information security, et cetera. So that's definitely been one of the challenges. And then obviously then thinking about the methodologies that you're going to use the large language models for, how are you going to reduce hallucination risk? How are you going to prevent data leakage? All of that kind of stuff. That was the stuff I think where we put in a, a lot of groundwork as well, a lot of reading of research papers, a lot of devising different architectures, a lot of messing around, looking at those kinds of things until we settled on, I think, a, an architecture that we're quite comfortable. Like I, I personally, I'm very confident and comfortable because I have the background in both worlds that I can and definely can offer the technology to companies in a way that is secure that pretty much minimizes most, if not all of the risks that they would be concerned with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There, there's definitely things to be thought about before you start implementing something like that, 100%. But I think we're on the road, Namdi. I think, I don't know if you have any, anything further. Yeah, there. no, I mean, it's a very topical, it's a topical thing at the moment. Everybody is talking about generative AI and its application and it's something that We've been quietly, as Fergus mentioned, looking at over the last few years and months. And I think we are now, as Fergus mentioned, we're now at a place where, you know, some of the ideas that we're implementing actively, we're very excited about because I think we're thinking about this in a very unique way and in a way that we're quite confident is going to, as Fergus say, protect a lot of the sort of downfalls that you can have if the technology is not applied in the right way. So. Yeah, we're very excited about what we're building in the background and we hope that, yeah, we've got something quite exciting planned. We hope we'll be able to launch it in the next couple of weeks or months. Nice. Well, I look forward to it. And yeah, I've spoken to a number of people and presented at, and to a number of people around practicalities of um, leveraging LLMs. Uh, I don't have the technical chops. I definitely that you do for this and probably most other people do, but uh, certainly in terms of thinking about frameworks, I think, with Gen AI, a framework I rely on more frequently whether you should use it or not, because again, there's the hype of it and everyone wants to use it because you get that sort of extra bump in social media postings and interest. But whether you should use it or not, I think you have to at least answer two questions. Whether one is how important is the accuracy um, of the output? And two, how important is the understanding of the real world? outcomes because those two things are the hardest things to control today uh, at least without doing a lot of um, uh, magic to the models that exist as they are i think point one is likely very important for for what you're looking to do if you have a tool that has proofread in the word and accuracy is certainly very important but yeah i think taking a 
slow measured approach to make sure that you are able to control some of the outcomes is seems like they're responsible and the right thing to do, especially given what you said around sort of ethical use as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think like at the end of the day, reputation is king in this kind of environment. You know? And I mean that in, the, in actually really the best way. I, Namdi and I, I know he thinks like I do. I'm not going to build something that, that puts my reputation or the company's reputation yeah. in jeopardy by providing a solution that ultimately at the end of the day is, is crap or leaks or can't do what I think it can do. I think th there are definitely ways to mitigate those risks that you're talking about. But there are, it just, take, it, it just takes a bit of time to work them out. I think once you're on that road, you've got that kind of architecture in mind. I think you can have that confidence when you go to your clients and say, I know you might be worried about accuracy, but actually you don't and I can tell you why. Or well, you might be worried about data leakage, but you don't have to be. I can properly explain to you why. I'd be very comfortable going out and saying that to clients, but I wouldn't necessarily have done that last February. I didn't know about it. I don't think really anybody knew enough about it back in even February, March to really know how to control those kind of risks. Yeah. And I think just adding that extra layer of doing your research, but also I think knowing your clients really well, how they think, how they work, what their concerns are, because at the end of the day, this is the kind of stuff that can put their reputation at risk too. And we're not in that game. I'm not going to just rush it just for the sake of a buzz. Yeah. Like yeah. it's got, a, and if it works, then it will work well. Yeah. No, I think. That is a perfect place to start wrapping things up. So I'm excited for what you may announce in a few weeks or a few months from now and the trajectory that you both and the company is on. If people want to find out more, best place, I'll include both of your LinkedIn. Connect with you if you want to personally, but try define.com. Is that the best URL? No, it's uh, it'll be definely. Yeah, so B F I N E L Y dot com. As well. But yeah, thank you both. I appreciate your time. Great conversation and yeah, excited for what comes next for the company. Awesome. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you to the Fringe Legal team. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys very much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Fringe Legal. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey through the mind of innovators, sharing their ideas to inspire us all. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We hope these discussions have sparked your own ideas and helped you think about how you can put them into practice. Until next time, stay curious and keep pushing the boundaries.